Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, episode number 134 of Let's Go Racing with David Stocks. I'm Archelle here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we have a brand new champion in the NASCAR Cup Series. Ryan Blaney gets it done at Phoenix. We will look back on Ryan Blaney's championship run, get reaction on that, as well as the win from Ross Chastain, and look ahead to the offseason. Plenty to discuss uh, we're also going to be joined by Adam Stern of the Sports Business Journal. Uh, who knows? He might be dropping a Stern bomb uh, sometime during the show today. We'll check in with Stern about uh, everything going on uh, in the world of motorsports and his background, his backstory. Uh, should be fantastic when he joins us coming up in just a little while right now. But before we do that, David Starr joins us. David, uh, let's start with Blaney, the champion, getting the job done. Um wasn't the best team throughout the season, but it's playoff time. You know, what, what do they say? Big-time players make big-time plays and big-time moments. And that was the case with Blaney and this 12 team in the biggest of moments from Martinsville to Phoenix. Uh, that 12 team delivered when they needed to. Yeah, no doubt about it. You talk about hitting their stride at the right time, man. It's just amazing to – See uh, Roger Penske and that organization and, uh, you know, uh, Ryan Blaney come through and win the championship, man. It was just, uh, man, he's such a, a great kid and a great race car driver. Comes from a great racing family. And, uh, man, it, it was uh, – I was just – I was glad to see. I mean, you know, all three drivers were, were awesome and deserving of winning the championship. But when it all came down to it, you know, uh, Ryan was the guy. So, uh, man, very strong, uh, strong car, strong race. The team did an amazing job. And, uh, man, they peaked at the right time. And uh, after that win at Martinsville and bringing that momentum, uh, the momentum into, uh, you know, the final championship weekend was just amazing. You know, Dominic Argon joins us right now as well. Dom. I heard some comparisons of Ryan Blaney to the likes of Casey Kane and being that tier going into the weekend. But for him to get the job done, to get this weight lifted off shoulders, to to win this, this is this is huge for his legacy and telling his story here. This I think this changes a lot of how people view Ryan Blaney here. No matter what he does, no matter what he does in his career going forward, he's forever a NASCAR Cup Series champion. Tyler, there's only 36 people that can say they have won a Cup Series championship. There are drivers who have won a lot more than Ryan Blaney, but have not won a title. So right place, right time. You, you hear a lot of the conversation, is Ryan Blaney deserving champion or any of the people deserving champions from this weekend? My response to that, the time I've had to think about it, I'd be curious to get your guys' thoughts on this too, but the system we have set up, the playoff system, the elimination style format, these drivers did what they did when it counted most. And they rose to the occasion when it mattered the most. And we certainly saw that with Ryan Blaney on Sunday. Necessarily didn't have the best car in qualifying, but David was talking about it before we came on air this week about how he had the best long-run car. And that's what proved to be the biggest thing this weekend. Yeah, certainly so. And, and David, as far as the argument of deserving or not, what I would say I think is very important to bring up is it was a fair fight. I mean, you know, the, the five – was the team to beat coming off pit road. The 24 was the favorite going into the weekend. 
And then there was Christopher Bell, who had unfortunate luck and finished last in the race, was a non-factor here. Uh, Blaney was put to the test. I mean, say what you want. You may not like that he only won three races this year, but uh, I mean, it was it was a fair fight that that he earned right there with uh, among the best of the best. Uh, at the end of the day, they they beat that five and twenty four car fair and square. Yeah, no doubt about it. I felt bad for Christopher Bell, man. He uh, he would have been a factor, and uh, you hate to see one of the contenders uh, fall out with a mechanical issue, but uh, man, that's just racing. And uh, you know, you can never count out the Roger Penske organization. Uh, it was a great race. Uh, you know, it was exciting coming into it. I would have never thought when the checker the checker flag dropped to end the season, it was going to be Ryan Blaney. But man, he uh, it was exciting. Uh, he just had a great car. I mean, he had a dominant car. His car was strong all day long, and you just you you just knew that Larson or uh, Williams was going to you know Byron's car, their crew chiefs was going to mic. You know, I said, man. You know, you're watching the race play out. You know, like any after every pit stop, say Larson's going to have a great car. It's going to do better. It's going to do better. They just could never get the right adjustments to it. And and Ryan just had the, the 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 strong car all day long. He had a long run car, and it's as the laps clicked off, his car just stayed consistent. And uh, it was amazing how strong he was. And man, you know, you always ride that momentum. And uh, you know that, that team had a lot of momentum. But like I said, they hit hitting the right hitting the right their stride at the right time and hey congratulations to him you know it was uh it was a great season a great year and Ryan Blaney's our, our 2000 and Cup Series 2023 Cup Series champion and you couldn't have a a better team and driver to represent our sport than Ryan Blaney great guy no question about it Dominic uh we'll talk more about the championship later on in the show and also Ross Chastain getting that win to in the regular season. But before we get to any of that, uh, we have a fantastic guest joining us this week. We have a great guest this week joining us, and that's Adam Stern with the Sports Business Journal. Adam's been covering with the organization for about 11 years. He joined in 2012, went to school in Virginia, I believe. I can't wait to hear more about his backstory. We know some mutual people, and I've known Adam about a good four years. But anytime, Tyler, that your NASCAR news and you hear Adam Stern's name attached to it, you know it's going to be big. And Adam always getting the inside scoop on some really cool stories across the year, across the season, and across the offseason. Adam, thank you so much this week for joining us on Let's Go Racing. Hey, Don. Thanks so much for having me on. It's great to be here. Hey, we appreciate you coming on. Before we move further, is there any news that you'd care to break at this time? <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'll tell you. I mean, just coming out of uh, – what, what? here's what I'll say. I mean, just coming out of – uh, coming out of the NASCAR championship race, of course, coming out of Arizona, out of Phoenix. It was my first time there, so um, it was great to be at that track for the first time. And, you know, there was certainly a lot of things going on in the sport. I mean, you talk about the fact that you have the charter agreement that's going to start in 2025, the renewed one of some extent. You have the TV media rights deal that's going to start in 2025. There's sponsorship deals of all sorts that are coming up in certain ways that could change and be renewed and things like that and, and other business deals. So, um, and of course, you know, there's always silly season stuff that's never too far off away from percolating. So um, I would say, you know, certainly I think you look at even like the 2025 NASCAR schedule, you know, NASCAR is already working hard away on things like that. We know international is going to be a focus after Montreal fell through for 2024. I would say, you know, look at maybe some of the markets that they're already holding 
series at. So like they already have a series in Canada and sure enough, they were looking at Montreal where you, they also have a series in Mexico. They also have a series in Brazil. So, you know, could those be other options? Keep an eye on, um, you know, we know that NASCAR said that they're taking a trip out to Japan this week. They said they're doing it for studying hydrogen racing and to um, maybe talk to some prospective OEMs, but who knows, maybe they could also even study a race out there. So I think international racing for 2025 is a huge topic to keep an eye on if you want a little nugget right now. But look, there's so much to come. A uh, lot of interesting things going on in the sport. And, you know, these TV deals and charter deals are going to be for at least seven years. So that's going to obviously, you know, basically stretch up to and into the next decade. So uh, there's a huge amount of stuff going on right now. Certainly so. It's going to be fascinating here over the offseason, some of these storylines that develop. But, but besides all that stuff with the racing and, and what's going to be going on in 2025, let's take it back to the beginning for you, Adam. Tell us a little bit about your journey following motorsports. I know you cover other things, too, as well for the Sports Business Journal. But from from where you're at to where it all began, how, how does that journey look? Yeah, um, you know, I grew up um, in the D.C. area, uh, you know, D.C., of course, uh, is an interesting place. I mean, it's got a lot of politics, um, you know, got a lot of media. But I grew up, you know, loving soccer, playing soccer. That was kind of my original path into sports. Um, but I definitely watched some motorsports, watched the Daytona 500 always, watched some NASCAR. And, um, you know, eventually just uh, decided through just kind of process of elimination that maybe I'd try out kind of uh, reporting, media, stuff like that. And um, went to Virginia Commonwealth University, VCU in Richmond, and got to do some cool stuff there, uh, like VCU's men's basketball team. Went to the Final Four while I was covering that team. That was the first time they had ever been anywhere close to that far in the you know uh, NCAA men's basketball tournament. So like things like that were really cool. But uh, after I graduated in 2012, I ended up at SBJ. Um, and um, I wasn't covering motorsports right away, but a couple years in, they gave me the opportunity after kind of just doing more kind of like web editing and a little bit of contribution here and there to try out the motorsports beat when someone before me left. And um, yeah, it just was obviously, a, I, I knew that motorsports was fun. I knew that the business side was amazing because I had been paying attention to it for the first several years of my job. And I uh, just hopped up the opportunity. And uh, yeah, I've been at SBJ since late 2012. And uh, yeah, it's been a great place to work. And, and yeah, motorsports, I mean, I tell people all the time because it's true, like this stuff writes itself. You know, my job is just kind of here in, uh, in, in a lot of regards. I mean, also I have to, you know, I have a lot of kind of roles to play in terms of like storytelling and things like that. But Sometimes my job is just as simple as just hearing things. I mean, it's just there's so many interesting things going on. It's just this stuff writes itself. So uh, it's been a fun time to cover motorsports. My first year, 2015, was the year the charter system got agreed to. You know, so um, pretty much ever since I've been in the sport, there's been a lot of change. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. Well, Adam, you do such a terrific job at breaking news. I feel like if something is happening adam finds out before anybody else and <laughs> drops a stern bomb on everybody and uh you know kind of like the 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 woge or the adam Schefter of nascar of some sort uh adam is that how you you kind of feel uh you know your your status is where you've become i mean uh do, do you think yourself up there kind of like 
those newsbreakers we think of another. No, they're on a, they're on a different level than me for sure. For on a, on a, they're on several different levels than me. But um, no, I mean I appreciate that and certainly uh you know honored and flattering to you know be associated with people like that. But no, I think they're on a different level than me, and I would have a long way to go to to reach their level. But um, you know, it's fun. I like I said, a lot of this stuff writes itself, and you know, it's just cool to try and sometimes be a part of you know, hearing about things that are, you know, kind of historic or, or very interesting or just, you know, excite fans. But uh, I would say I have a far, far way to go to reach those guys' level. Okay. So, so just a little less sleep and, uh, you know, eventually, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like you you saw what Woj did a couple of weeks ago to break that Harden deal. Like that's 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 next level. He He skipped a flight to Los Angeles and just sat in the Newark airport all night. So, uh, yeah, the, the, and, and also, again, yeah, just a, a lot of things. I mean, those guys are, are so good at what they do on a number of levels, and they're, and they're paid a lot better. So, I mean, they, they deserve to be, right, because they just are just – they're on a whole another level of everything. They're very good at what they do. And so, no, I would not say I'm not on their level at all, but I really appreciate that. And, yeah, I mean, it's just uh, fun to work in this sport and hear about things, whether it's first, second. I mean, the, you know, we all sometimes no, – you can't win every – single story you can't break every single story you can't win every single game whatever it is but nonetheless i mean there's just so much going on in motorsports it's a very fun time to be you know covering the sport no matter whether it's you're breaking the story or just paying attention to one way or the other there's a lot going on so adam you've been doing this for a long time 2012 you know you've seen a lot of changes in our industry what are some of the things that really interest you that really excited you since you've seen them so much and covered so many so much stuff, like you said, and there's a lot of moving parts, especially right now, currently, and the past couple of years, rule changes and just all the things that you just got through talking about. What are some of the stories that you cover that really stand out to you that were really more important than others? Well, I mean, uh, you know, quite towards the top was what happened with Formula One during the pandemic. Um, you know, I think – not only was that really interesting with Formula One, but it also kind of crystallized a lot of, you know, the issues that NASCAR and IndyCar have. Um, you know, Formula One has a ton of issues, and we saw that this year themselves. But some of the things that they do right are, like, uh, just on a different level. You know, like, they're the way they've become embedded in Silicon Valley and cult, in pop culture in America. Um, you know, in techno with technology companies, like all these things that all these other series want to do, you know, they're just so relevant in certain ways now. It's just through this crazy luck of the pandemic where they had this docu-series when everyone was stuck at home and had nothing to do and they ended up watching it. And so that's been really interesting. You know, I think that's one of been the most interesting um, things I've seen come out of, you know, covering motorsports because, again, you've seen – F1 become more popular here in the U.S., but it's also kind of shown some of the things that NASCAR and IndyCar start to do. So you look at like NASCAR, one of the big topics that emerged over the past 10 weeks was driver star power. And the reality is, is the topic was driver star power or the lack thereof. And it's not to say that NASCAR has no star, driver star power. That, that would be insane to suggest, but right. is, is it enough, you know, to, you know, get to where they were at or even close to where they were at in kind of the good old days or even just 
10 years ago, really, right. because 10 years ago is when they saw a massive drop of, uh, you know, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Jeff Gordon, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I think, you know, the Formula One thing has been really interesting to watch. But, it, you know, in NASCAR, um, of course, you kind of had some new changes with like your track houses and 2311s. I think one thing that's kind of been a little underrated and not a lot of people are talking about is just those two teams like competing with each other. Maybe not even directly, but indirectly. They're both kind of pushing the sport forward. Like, and I kind of look at them like McLaren and IndyCar. It'd be tough to think about where McLaren, you know, IndyCar's new cycle would be without McLaren. It'd be tough to think about where NASCAR's new cycle would be the past couple of years without Trackhouse and 2311. They make so much news off the track, so many like interesting sponsor things. Of course, recency bias, but very great example being the Star Wars 2311 thing which was, was super cool, but was legitimate. It was an officially licensed deal that involved Lucas Films, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, you know, I think that's been interesting to see those two teams go about things differently. That's caused, you know, teams to look at things differently. I mean, you saw uh, Jeff Gordon and some folks recently talk about we need to build a brand around the team, not just around the drivers. And, you know, that even led to conversations like with, like, Brad Keselowski saying, well, it's tough to invest in drivers because we're not invested in a system like stick and ball sports where we have a real franchise value where even if we lose a guy, we know that, you know, it's still going to work on the system. We're going to be able to start a franchise for a lot more. Right now, these teams don't have permanent charters, things like that. So there's been um, just the, some of the new things going on in NASCAR and the way they're trying to figure out the future is really interesting. That's fascinating. And you know that you mentioned the team structure side of it, uh, as far as track house and 2311 with this rivalry of some sorts. It, it, it's it's fascinating, Adam, because the emphasis of the team right now is as important as I feel like it's been in a long time. You know, I mean, you, you see people wearing 2311 gear or track house gear just regularly. You know, I, I can't remember people wearing, you know, Hend even Hendrick Motorsports gear, you know, or the apparel of just the branding that's been a part of that, of, of being 2311 and Team Trackhouse and associating the names and all that with the owners that have come in with Pitbull and Michael Jordan. Uh, I mean, they're, they're really doing what they can to build brands around these teams, and it's selling pretty well, it seems. Yeah, and you're already seeing people follow the leader a little bit, of course. It's not saying that, you know, the idea kind of, was 100% copied, but, like, we're seeing, you know, Jimmy Johnson with Legacy Motor Club. You know, it wasn't Jimmy Johnson racing. It's Legacy Motor Club. And so, um, you know, Trackhouse, I mean, it's a very grandiose comparison, but, like, Justin Marks, the owner, says, like, he kind of looks at Ferrari, and he wants to be like that. Now, look, the reality is Ferrari has a road car brand, so it's totally different. Now, Trackhouse does eventually want to sell, like, consumer package goods and stuff. So they have some really big goals at Trackhouse. They, you saw they literally Pitbull named his team is his uh, album after the team name, which was kind of smart in certain ways because track, you know, music, but it was also quite remarkable that that happened. But yeah, I mean, they're doing things differently. And um, I think, you know, other teams are taking notice, like I said, with, you know, Legacy and, you know, even like a Hendrick Motorsports saying, hey, we need to build more of a, you know, brand around our team. So yeah, you know, it's it's for a couple of different reasons, but it's, it's certainly smart. Um, it certainly makes a lot of sense. And this notion that, you know, 
it, it shouldn't just be based around the owner's last name. I mean, there's nothing wrong around that or, or nothing wrong with that, but it, it's definitely a smart branding play to try and say, hey, we're more of like a club and it's not just about the owner. Because, I mean, even, you know, you look at F1, for example, like currently Williams Racing still exists, but the Williams family no longer owns any part of Williams Racing. It's owned by an American private equity company. Wow. So it's, it's kind of like uh, awkward. So, you know, sometimes, you know, like uh, the Dallas Cowboys, it's not the Dallas Jerry Joneses. It's the Dallas Cowboys. Right. You know, Adam, it's kind of interesting uh, uh, in hearing you speak and hearing this conversation because, you know, like you said, where would NASCAR be if it wasn't for Trackhouse and 2311? Because the last two, three years, man, they have really – moved the sport in a good direction, uh, gave it some international flavor, changing things up. You didn't have those two teams and that branding and marketing and different. I mean, you know, the, the movement of the sport would be, I mean, I don't know. You know, I mean, it would, wouldn't look like we'd look right now. And, and like you said, you know, Hendrick Motorsports or, you know, Joe Gibbs Racing, you know, it's like, man, they're really changing it up and really bringing new eyeballs and bringing a worldly a worldly view to our sport, you know. And uh, uh, I just I think it's really cool and interesting, you know, uh, that that the industry is taking notice of those two organizations because they're they're making a big changes for the better for the for every team and and, and the whole industry. Yeah, and I think you look at. Um... You know, through tragedy, unfortunately, what would happen with Joe Gibbs Racing and, and losing his two sons, um, you know, they decided that they wanted to keep the team in the family, but they have brought in now Harris Blitzer Sports Entertainment as a minority owner. Nothing like this has ever happened in Joe Gibbs Racing history. It's almost been kind of, I wouldn't say underplayed because they publicly announced it, but not been a lot made of it, but like, you know, the president of Joe Gibbs Racing now goes and meets with, like, the presidents of some of the most powerful teams in sports and, you know, is sharing, you know, contacts and trying to get sponsors. And so there's all sorts of really interesting things going on at the ownership level, even with, like, a Joe Gibbs Racing, a kind of more traditional team. And, by the way, look at, you know, Hendrick Motorsports, they're a traditional team, but Jeff Gordon now is the vice chairman, and he's trying to been, he's been trying to push them outside of their comfort zone. So, you know, we have Kyle Larson now doing the Indy 500 next year. Like, that really says it all. But you can also look at other examples. They've been trying to push Chase Elliott out of his comfort zone. Easier said than done, but they're trying. William Byron, you know, he's now doing all sorts of different types of racing in terms of, like, not uh, as, as diverse as Larson, but he, he's on pavement, all sorts of different pavement tracks. Series. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Bowman. You know, he's been able to kind of continue to do his thing. Unfortunately, he got injured this year, continuing to do his thing. So um, even like a even and then, of course, you know, RFK, let's give a shout out to RFK. I mean, yeah, you know, it's funny. Um, there was kind of a uh, I did hear um, at one kind of industry event where um, 2311 Steve LaLetta made a little bit of a joke, I think, about you know, RFK could have done a much more sweeping rebrand. And in the end, they just added, of course, you know, K to, you know, when they brought on Keselowski. But in any event, nonetheless, you know, Brad is a very smart person. Very, one of the best, like, 30,000-foot view deep thinkers in NASCAR. And 
the results have started to show over there. Like I said, I've been in NASCAR since 2015, and this was their best year. Now, part of that part of that might be the next gen, you know, Gen Seven and and whatnot. But uh, part of it's probably also some of the changes that Brad's made. People always tell me the most important thing, and and you know, is people. And I think they're trying to bring in better people and and whatnot, not to try and take a shot at anyone who was there before, but that's just what I'm hearing. And and you can see the results. Chris Buescher, a lot of wins. Right. Brad Keselowski, no wins, but um, outside of, uh, but but you know, running very well. So yeah, it's an interesting time with the ownership, with kind of the different ownership ranks changing. Yeah, yeah definitely. So. Hey man, the value of the value of these charters amazing. Just in the last, I mean, uh, for me, the last couple of years has just shot up out of the roof. You know what I mean? The value from just two years ago to a value of a charter today, and the numbers we hear, man, the 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 uh, the market has just the the the, the just man just skyrocketed. You know what I'm saying? And and I, I don't know. I guess I asked the question to all of y'all. Is that good for the sport or bad for the sport? Is it, you know, does that does it does it make a difference? You know, I, I think it's a good question there too. I don't I don't know if you feel this way, Adam, but kind of thinking about the charters and hearing how those first couple ones sold, like the Tommy Baldwin one in 2016 for a couple million to now value it over 30 to 40 million. Do you think there's some sort of bubble here that's going to pop, or is that bubble just gonna keep expanding on the prices for them? No, I mean, some people do think that it, it could possibly be a bubble that could pop. Um, you know, there's no reason why it's necessarily destined to just keep going up. I mean, it could – we'll have to see what happens. Now, granted, look, if NASCAR gets a good TV deal like they think they're going to, then it's probably not going down in the next year or two. But if they don't get a good TV deal, which seems unlikely, but if they got a bad TV deal, then it would go down. If they get a good TV deal, which is likely, it seems like at this point, they're going to at least probably be flat around 40 uh, and could even maybe go up to 50. Who knows? Um, you know, as to whether they're good or not, I mean, like, you know, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. People have different opinions on this. You know, I think one thing I always interesting, I thought was always an interesting analogy was Rob Kaufman, who was kind of seen as like the architect of the charter system. He said, he always said, you know, I think NASCAR is a big league sport. And you look at other big league sports. If you want to go play the Yankees, you can't just start a team. You have to buy a franchise. You can't just go play the Yankees. You can't just start a baseball team and go play the Yankees. You have to buy an MLB franchise to play right. the Yankees. Huh? And, he, and Rob's point was he thinks NASCAR is a major league sport. And and there's a there should be franchises kind of there there could be this idea of franchise and 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 with it, if someone leaves the sport as an owner who's invested in the sport, they're leaving with a value more than just trying to sell parts and pieces for a couple hundred thousand bucks and their shop for a couple million bucks at best. And you know now you're seeing B.J. McLeod and Matt Tift are going to make eight figures each which is fantastic. And, and I'm sure BJ will hopefully reinvest that in his Xfinity program, or even if he doesn't, they can do what they want. So, um, you know, is the system perfect? I'm sure it isn't. And I'm not trying to say that it's absolutely, you know, even close to perfect, but it seems like it's accomplishing a lot of what they were hoping for. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about, should there still be open cars? And I think there's a lot of, uh, validity to say, yes, there should still be some open cars. Um, so, you know, 
but but you know does the system have some validity I'm, it seems like it has uh, some validity and we've seen NASCAR cut the fields in the past, like Xfinity moving from 43 to 40, the trucks to 36 to 32, cut 43 to 40. Do you see in the short distance future a potential where NASCAR wouldn't see a full cup field at 40, but rather just the 36 chartered cars? I I haven't heard that that's happening for 2025. And if it doesn't happen for the new charter, then it, you know, it should be. They should probably keep it for the same for the whole seven years or however long they do it um, until they revisit it. But anything's possible. One thing I thought was really interesting, just kind of on that notion of like sweeping changes, was hearing uh, Mark Rushbrook of Ford say that he didn't say like he saw zero value. I'm not trying to overdo it, but and I'm paraphrasing, but it seemed like he said they see more value in trucks than Xfinity. And this notion that they don't see a ton of ROI in Xfinity. So that's something to keep an eye on. Like, what does NASCAR do long-term with all three national series? You know, could one of them eventually one day be like that hydrogen racing? Could Xfinity turn into hydrogen or electric racing if they one day have to do something different, you know, to try and keep OEMs happy? So I think that's something to keep an eye on. But, um, yeah, I mean, all those things, all, all that stuff really is in play. I think that's what's interesting about NASCAR right now is, like, they really are evaluating everything. So... Um, yeah, I'm keeping an eye on all of that. Adam Stern of the Sports Business Journal joining us this week here on Let's Go Racing. Uh, Adam, you mentioned the, the uh, schedule situation, and that's a, a fascinating ordeal with what went down with Montreal and trying to expand the schedule internationally in 2025. I got to ask you about that. Why did Montreal not work this time around, and what does the future hold for – getting international races potentially in 2025 here? Well, look, I mean, as with a lot of these situations, sometimes you hear certain rumors, and um, until you can get those rumors, uh, you know, totally verified, it'd be better not put them out anywhere. So I'll just say, you know, there's some things I've heard that I haven't been able to verify yet about exactly why it fell through, but what's confirmed is that they were talking and that a deal didn't happen. So clearly something went awry. What exactly went awry? Now, that doesn't mean anything nefarious went awry. What it means is some business, some aspect of the business negotiations didn't work for either one of the parties or, or for some reason, both of them. Um, you know, what that is, we'll see if I can confirm some of that stuff. But, you know, clearly they weren't able to get on the same terms. And, uh, you know, it, it's definitely disappointing because uh, from what I, I, you know, not disappointing in the sense that it's a disaster, but it seems. A lot of fans in Canada were quite excited about the prospect of this. You know, fans, you know, just kind of in that in, in that, that region. I think there had only been one cup race ever in Canada in NASCAR's 75-year history. So wow. the prospect of it was was quite interesting. And so I think from that regard, it's a little disappointing. I'm sure they'll still get to Canada in some shape or form. But from what I understand, they have a lot of options for 2025. And it's not a sure thing they're going to end up with Montreal. So, again, um not prepared to say exactly what happened with Felter. It's just because I don't have anything confirmed, but um, clearly, you know, they were talking, that's confirmed. And uh, it, it's in some shape or form, they weren't able to come to business terms. Yeah. And then on the TV side of things, uh, you mentioned, of course, that TV contract coming up at the end of next year. We already know about the Xfinity deal with the CW and NASCAR productions being involved, but Still waiting on to see what the truck TV contract is and what the cup uh, contract is. And we've heard rumblings about 
a streaming partner being involved here? What's the prospects looking like of uh, this next TV contract? Uh, are we still looking at like a combination of Fox and ESPN with uh, Fox and NBC with a streamer here? What what are we looking at here? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you know, we'll have to see if NBC gets confirmed because Fox at this point has all but confirmed themselves. Lachlan Murdoch on their most recent earnings call, the CEO said that we're basically, he said all but, you know, we're waiting to officially announce this thing. He said we have a great ROI with NASCAR. We're looking forward to continuing that partnership. You know, could not have been closer to saying we have officially renewed without officially saying that. So Fox is clearly back. NBC, it seems like they're going to be back, but it's not as confirmed at this point as Fox because they haven't come out and been that clear with their CEO. But it seems like Fox and NBC are likely coming back, certainly Fox, um, and, and likely NBC too. And then, yes, there's going to be some component of streaming. So they're trying to bridge the gap, you know, similar to how in this last deal from 2015 to 2024, they got a big increase in part because these media networks said, hey, we're going to use NASCAR to grow our cable TV companies. Now, you know, with the future right, in cable TV channels, now with the future being streaming, NASCAR saying, hey, we got to be available to a streaming company. And also it's going to help us in the future with getting younger viewers. And if streaming becomes the future by the 2030s, then we're going to already be experienced with it. So they're going to, whether it's four races, six races, we'll have to see, but somewhere in that range is what we're expecting. And it seems like the two people who are involved are Turner Sports, Bleacher Report Live, and uh, Amazon Prime Video. So we'll see who ends up with it. Well, David, uh, for I think this is interesting from your vantage point because, I mean, you got people, no offense, you know, David's age and older that are figuring out how to use streaming. And then people, Dominic and I's age, that love streaming and use it all the time. Like, David, we're, it's, it's that happy medium, isn't it, of like, hey, we got to appeal to a younger audience, but we can't chase away our old, older audience either. No, but I mean, you got to you got make sure you're taking care of your fans that have been your core fans for a long time. But you know, you got to look at the future. You know, you got to look at the future and and how do we how do we bring in new newer eyeballs, newer fans, younger fans? And hey, you know, I think we're getting both. We're getting a little bit of, of both worlds. So uh, it's exciting to see the technology, the streaming, you know, and with the new contract. I mean, because that's that's a big deal. That's the, that's the future of what's what's going on in television and. and and for, you know, these younger people to stream stream these, uh, you know, any kind of sporting events, that's that's the way of the future. So, uh, you know, you know, NASCAR, uh, you know, my hat's off to them because, uh, you know, like my age or older, you know, the, most people older than me really don't don't know how to stream or they're starting to figure it out. And, uh, you know, the newer generation, that's all they want to do. You know what I mean? So I just think. Uh, you know, I think uh, the both the best, best the you know trying to figure out both both situations and make the best world of it for everybody. I think they're on the right track. Certainly, yeah. certain. And I know we're getting here to know music notes here in a few minutes, but Adam, I think this is worth revisiting. We've had this discussion before off air, but you've been covering the sport for so long for over a decade. You're naturally going to get to know people over time, but give us that peek behind the curtain without revealing any trade secrets of anything. How, how does one get to the point where you're at with with, with sources, with getting to know people around the industry? Because you're not just breaking one or two. It seems like you have the sport well covered. No, I appreciate it, Dom. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny. I was um, leaving 
Phoenix Raceway a couple nights ago, and there's this place, I guess, called The Barn. And, like, outside the barn, um, uh, Corey LaJoy and Danielle Trotta from Stacking Pennies were, like, recording live. And as I was trying to, like, get out, they saw me and they, like, brought me up. And, and they and they asked me – and Corey asked me a similar question. So, um, you know, honestly, I would say, as I said to him at the time, a, a lot of it is uh, SBJ. I got to get a lot of – give a lot of credit to my job, to my publication – um, you know, SBJ is a leader in covering sports business, and that opens a lot of doors. Just like if you work for ESPN.com, if you walk into the NASCAR garage and say, hey, I work for ESPN, or you say, like, I work for the Associated Press or any other, you know, really kind of well-regarded publication, it opens a lot of doors. So I, I want, definitely want to give a huge shout out to my company. Um, but, you know, you just, uh, you know, again, there's a lot going on. So Sometimes people like to gossip, you know, not, not everyone likes to talk about what's going on with their company, but they like to talk about what's going on with other companies. And so, um, you know, some people just, you just, you just talk to a lot of people is honestly what the job is. I remember one time, uh, John Arant, who's a our oh, yeah. great, our great media reporter for SBJ. I think he one time like joked to his kids or something like I gossip for a living, you know, and he was joke half joking, but he was half being serious. You know, and, uh, and, 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 you know, that's kind of what the gig is. I mean, you talk to people, what's going on. And every once in a while, someone says like, Hey, did you hear about this? And you, you know, in your mind, you're thinking like, Oh no, I didn't know about that gigantic bombshell that you just revealed to me. You know, and that doesn't happen every day, but sometimes it happens to, to Adam Schefter and the people you mentioned earlier, that happens to them every day. Cause they're so good. But, um, yeah, you know, uh, you just got to keep people's trust and um, keep people's anonymity when they ask for it and things like that. And you got to be able to confirm things, you know, uh, if you know, 100 percent is different than 95 percent. If you're 100 percent, you're 100 percent. If you're anything less then it's not 100 percent, it's as simple as that. So if you're 100 percent, you can say this is going to happen. If is if it's anything else, you should say like this might happen, this could happen. So it's just about being clear with your readers about what you know, what you don't know. It's not just about what you know; it's also about letting them know what you don't know, what's unclear. And so you can just be you have to be accurate, and uh, that's how you do it. That's that's great advice there. And, and David, I'll share this story with you real quick. I was telling Tyler about this, and I've never told Adam this, but how I first heard of Adam about five, six years ago, Ross Chastain was racing the four car for JD Motorsports. And you, you subscribe to people on Twitter, you see what's going on. And I see something come up from a guy named Adam Stern about how Chip Ganassi racing, I, I'm paraphrasing here, I think he had said something to the point that Chip Ganassi racing was going to be announcing a three race deal for Ross Chastain in the 42 car. And I'm reading this, Really, this is interesting. Let's see if this plays out. And it all played out true. And I and I remember that first tweet. And I I remember subscribing right there or following Adam along. This guy's onto something right here. And <laughs> those stern bombs, man, they're, they're they are yeah. something. <laughs> hey, man, uh, it's been fun following Chastain. What a story he's become. You know, honestly, it's crazy to think about because you know Spire um, gets a lot of credit for what they built, but. Bear in mind, Spire, they used to be an agency, and they identified Chastain. They were the agency that identified. When when I The first I really found out about Chastain was when he was, like, fighting people in the back of the truck series. You know, he was, like, fist fighting, you know, as other fellow back markers in the truck series. And somehow these guys at Spire 
saw something in him. And they were the ones who started getting him rides. And uh, somehow he ended up with those rides at, at Chip Ganassi. And then the DC solar debacle, that kid has grinded to get where he got. But uh, that's a cool story. Great story, I, I first discovered you, Adam, and I was hooked ever since. Oh, thank you, brother. That's great. Well, uh, Adam, we'll stick around. We uh, we got some more stuff to get to. Got our news and notes uh, coming up in just a moment. Also, uh, we'll do our mailbag segment as well. I'll ask David coming up at the end of the show. But let's go ahead and begin with a look at the headlines from around the sport as uh, Dominic takes it away with uh, what's going on after the uh, championship. Dominic, what do you got? Got some headlines to get to. We'll, we'll, we'll touch on some of the Phoenix storylines and kind of recap some of those. Ross Chastain taking his fifth career victory in the NASCAR championship race. Now, what's interesting about that one, Tyler, I know you've been high on the track house team, what they've been doing, and just the marks being disruptive. Isn't that the most, like, disruptive track house thing to do is to win the championship race, not as a title contender? Because that was the first time that was done since 2013. Since this playoff elimination format – we had a different winner that was not the Cup Series champion. So touch on that, Chastain, fifth career win, second of the year. And, of course, Kevin Hartwick finishing seventh place, his final NASCAR Cup Series race. Had a chance to do some really cool history. Had he won, he would have been just the third driver in NASCAR history to win in their final Cup Series start, and it hasn't been done since 1955. Seemed like there could have been a chance for that to happen, but Kevin Hartwick steps away. After a 21-year career, got to imagine he's going to be a NASCAR first belt Hall of Famer with over 60 wins, two Xfinity Series title, the 2014 Cup Series championship, and the 2014 Daytona 500 among just many of his accomplishments. Uh, okay, a couple things to unpack there. Uh, David, uh, let's start with you, then we'll, we'll get to Adam and get his thoughts. Um, you know, credit to Ross for going out and getting there a win. I didn't necessarily like the way he raced uh, Ryan Blaney and those championship contenders. That, that wasn't my favorite, but credit where credit's due. You can't blame the guy for competing. As far as uh, Kevin Harvick goes, uh, he may not have won a race this year, but as far as I'm concerned, he went out on top. I mean, to be running that well at his age with the struggles that Stuart Hall's racing had throughout the year, uh, Kevin Harvick with, what was it, you know, 20 straight top 10s and all that. I mean, just a uh, remarkable finish for uh, Kevin Harvick's uh, outstanding career, David. Absolutely. Ross Chastain did what he was hired to do and what he does for his sponsors and all his fans. He's, he's hired to win races at no cost, and he did his job, and he did it well. Uh, he's not going to move over, obviously. He, you know, he was racing. When you race, sometimes you take away somebody's line, you create dirty air, uh, their car gets tight. Uh, that's what he did, and that's what that's what we do as race car drivers. And uh, you know, a lot of people may not like it, but he did what he's supposed to do. And uh, you know, you saw Ryan Blaney, who was my great friend, a great guy. You know, he he hit him in the back of the car, let him know he was frustrated with him. But man, you know, you, we are racing. We can't just move over and get out of the way and let somebody else win the race because they're going to win the championship. It was a great race. It brought some excitement to the race. Uh, Ross Chastain, Trackhouse, man, they're going to be a, they're going to be a championship contender to deal with next year, and I, you can't blame him for that. Uh, Kevin Harvick, man, done about all you can do in our sport. Uh, will be uh, just going to be great in the booth to explain the sport with different eyeballs and all his experiences. Uh, but man, you know, 
with the Stuart Haas kind of uh, the last couple of years from a performance stand base with new cars and rule changes, really, um, uh, you know, we saw them not kind of keep up. They got a little bit behind. But Kevin Harvard as a race car driver, you put him in one of the cars that's winning races right now, he would continue to run races. Uh, he did it his way. He, he stepped out of the sport on his terms and how he wanted to do it. If he wanted to race again another year, I thought I, I would. it wouldn't be surprising to see Kevin Harvick in victory lane. He's that good. Even though he's a little bit older now, you, you see what he does. I mean, he, there's been five or six races that he could have won this year. Circumstances kept, kept him out of victory lane. But he's guy's a champion, has nothing to uh, hold his head down on. What a great career. He's a future Hall of Fame. He'll be great in, in the – in the booth as a commentator for our whole industry. And uh, what a great guy. It was cool to just see his last year and, and to witness everything. It was just cool for the sport, all the fans and all the Kevin Harvick fans. And uh, going to be exciting to see him in the booth next year. Uh, Adam, let's get your thoughts uh, from what we saw from Ross Chastain pulling off that win and then uh, Kevin Harvick uh, going out the way he did. What was kind of your thoughts of what went down there in Phoenix with those two? No, I totally agree with David. Um, you know, as far as Chastain, absolutely love it, okay? Was really just disappointed with the way that the sport has neutered him the, the last year. I thought that, you know, the decision to ban his wall ride was one of the most bizarre decisions, most one of the most bizarre decisions I've ever seen in sports. Um, you know, you could certainly make the case that it was a safety issue, but people didn't make the case until – the first person successfully pulled it off after 75 years for one time. <laughs> it was never a problem before then. And all of a sudden it became a huge safety issue, including by people who admitted that they had tried it before and appeared to be jealous that the sport was finally getting mainstream attention. So, you know, just from the get-go, they, they've been trying to neuter Ross Chastain. And to see him come back and say, no, I'm back, you know, I'm not going to wreck Blaney, but I'm going to use dirty air. Etc. And, and drive him clean, but just drive him in a way where he it's going to make him tough to pass. I, I thought it was fantastic. I hope he carries it into next year. Loved it. Uh, Kevin Harvick, you know, wish he had won a race this year, but it just wasn't meant to be. But um, just an incredible career. I mean, he's kind of like one of those guys who, like I said, I've been only in the sport since 2015. I've been watching the sport longer than that, but really been watching it super closely since 2015. And he was one of those guys who always was talking about, like, he's one of the few guys who did everything right, not just on the track, but off the track. Autographs, sponsors, everything right. Old school. The This sport's going to miss him. Absolutely. 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 Dominic, uh, your thoughts on uh, those two topics? Yeah, it was great to see Ross Chastain. It seemed like the Ross Chastain of old, and I felt like there was a touch of Ryan Newman with the way he had raced Ross Chastain on Sunday. And I, I was telling Dave before we got on air for the show, during those last 50, 60, 70 laps, I spent a good chunk of time there in stage three watching that battle from turn three shooting photos. And and I don't know if TV did it justice, but I could tell you just that battle, that back and forth, seeing the 24 and the five coming. Martin Truex there in third place. And then the three-way battle for the lead. It was really cool to get that perspective from ground level and, and shooting that, not being able to really follow along with the radio at that time or television or anything, but really cool to see that battle. And then with Kevin Harvick, listen, asset to the sport. 
He's going to be great in that broadcast booth, but we are going to definitely miss him on the racetrack and, and the fierce, fiery competitiveness that is Kevin Harvick. Very rarely do you get a driver that gets to retire on their terms in still a competitive manner. And had a couple things gone right this year, we'd be talking about Kevin Harvick winning a couple of races. But the last ones I could really think of, Tyler, that were competitive in their final year, and that we got to go out the way they wanted. Carl Edwards, Jeff Gordon, Rusty Wallace. But look at those gaps of years between those drivers. Not everybody has the privilege that Kevin Harvick got to have this weekend and this year. Even, even Jimmy Johnson wasn't running well when he retired. Uh, Richard Petty was not. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a very good point. Dominic, uh, what else going on? Before we move on to everyone's favorite segment, the National Motorsports Press Association has announced this week that voting is now open for your favorite driver for most popular driver in the top three touring series. The NMPA announced on Tuesday, November 7th, that voting is open and you can cast your votes, nascar.com slash most popular driver or on the NASCAR mobile app. To be eligible, drivers must have declared for the Cup Series points and have been eligible for championship contention in 2023. Voting continues through pretty much the rest of the month through November 29th. And the most popular driver will be announced November 30th ahead with the NASCAR Awards Banquet in Nashville. The awards have been handed out since 1949 every year in the Cup Series. And some past drivers that have won include Bill Elliott, Darrell Waltrip, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Dale Earnhardt posthumously in 2001, and Chase Elliott, who has won the award the last five years. And in the Truck Series, David Starr has won the most <laughs> popular driver award. <laughs> How can I forget our man here, David Starr? I believe 2006, <laughs> he was the most popular driver in the Truck Series. <laughs> okay, David, I got to ask you about this first before we talk about this year's contenders. What was it like for you when you won most popular driver in the Truck Series? Man, you know, I, I you know, I didn't even have a clue that I was even, you know, when I was at the banquet and they called my name. I was shocked. You know what I mean? You know, just, <laughs> uh, you know, just the love you and the passion you have for for racing. And uh, you know, you know, I, I I raced hard. I held my ground, and uh, man, I raced people like they raced me, and uh, maybe had a fight or two. And uh, man, I I was really, uh, you know, I, I love the fans and. Uh, I don't know, man. It's just, uh, man, you just, you're just so thankful and blessed and and honored to to live out a dream and uh, and then to be rewarded, you know, the most popular driver was just, man, it was just shocking, amazing, and uh, it was an well, honor. It's a, it's the cool an part honor. too has got to be that it reflects directly on the fans, not the team, not ownership, not NASCAR, but the fans directly. That's got to be pretty cool. Yeah, no, no, no doubt about it. You know, I guess they liked something about me. You know what I mean? So uh, <laughs> it was pretty cool, but uh, it was very shocking when I won that. But uh, but man, I've, I've always, uh, you know, I, I don't really think about it much. But when now we're talking about it, you know, you never, you know, I'm still racing. You don't ever have time to sit back and reflect on this or that. But uh, really, kind of forgot that I even won it. You know what I mean? But uh, it was a cool deal, you know, and a big honor. For this year, whoever wins it on the cup side, the truck side, the Xfinity side, man, it is a huge honor, and uh, it, it means a lot. I mean, for the race fans to stand behind you and vote for you as the most popular driver, I mean, that's a big honor for anybody in any sport, you know, so, yeah. So, so let me ask you this, uh, David. Uh, we all know who's going to win it. It's going to be Chase Elliott, but 
Uh, this year's voting, uh, who finishes behind that, should be interesting. I can tell you who's not going to win. Denny Hamlin and Ross Chastain each have uh, their fair share of enemies these days, but I think that's good for the sport. It's entertaining. But how about Kyle Busch, one of the biggest surprises this year? He won over a ton of fans, David. It, it, it's amazing what happens when you start driving a Chevrolet, what people think of you. <laughs> well, you know, just kind of, you know – a lot of times going through adversity and change and, and uh, you know, and, and being somewhat humble, uh, you know, for, 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 for Kyle Busch, it, it really, you know, people can identify with that. They can identify with, uh, you know, the, the challenges of everyday life and, and, and challenges of work and raising a family. And, and really uh, Kyle Busch became more human, just more like the fans, you know, and people lined up behind him and they started loving him. And uh, that was a big story this year, you know, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of great stories in our sport. You know, that's one of them. You look at Michael McDowell. I mean, there's just on and on and on, you know, Ross Chastain, even though we talk about Ross Chastain, I mean, man, what a race car driver. What, you know, he went out there and drove his tail off, you know, nobody gave him anything. He earned every bit of it. And, uh, you know, to hear Adam speak about Ross, you know, there's a lot of jealousy about that. But, man, the simple fact that nobody bought his way, he did it the, the, the old school way. He raced his tail off, took advantage of every opportunities, and you love him or hate him. But, you know, uh, hey, as long as they're making noise, you know, and, and, and the most popular vote could be because they're booing you or cheering you, he would probably win it, you know what I mean? But, uh, but man, he's really uh, – you know, he's a big story the last two or three years in our sport. There's so many, you know, but yeah, I think you're right, Tyler. I think we'll see, uh, you know, uh, um, Chase, Chase Elliott. Elliott. Yeah, Chase Elliott win it again, you know, what most deserving, I guess, you know, but well, there's some great stories out there. Well, Adam, uh, let's bring you back in here. Um, you know, we, we mentioned the Ross Chastain and the Denny Hamlin factor in all this. Of, you know, the, these these two guys aren't gonna gonna win it. You know, they got their fair share of fans that can't stand them. But maybe they, whether they say it or not publicly, I would bet Denny Hamlin and and, and Ross Chastain are both uh, more than okay with not being the most popular driver. They have, you know, created their cult of personality, if you will, and they're they're embracing who they are, and I, I think it's great for the sport. Yeah, you know, the Denny Hamlin thing, I, I'm not sure exactly where it all came from, honestly. I mean, it, it, I'm, I'm a little confused on that one. And honestly, I think Denny, I think like a lot of people, it's just like Kyle Busch. You know, Kyle Busch, what choice did he have but to accept being the, the, the heel? So he accepted it. But now that people are cheering him, he's like, sweet, people are cheering for me. <laughs> you know, and so I think – I think it's the same thing with, with Denny Hamlin. Like, he's embracing it because what other choice does he have? He has to embrace He has to embrace it. You know, and then, I mean, and that's not that's not a shot at Denny. I mean, I'm confused at why people don't. I mean, you know, like some people, of course, think Denny, you know, whatever, might think that he's a little bit closer to arrogant than cocky. It, you know, Denny knows this himself that some people might accuse him of that. But nonetheless, I don't, you know, I'm still a little confused on why he gets such the hardcore booze. I mean, he's a really good driver. You know, he hasn't won a championship, but I don't think that's why people boo him. So that's all interesting to me how he's kind of become the the villain. Um, Ross, I think definitely, I think he was embracing it until 
you know, he started having a lot of cooks in the kitchen and people started all of a sudden questioning, saying uh, some people were saying like, hey, uh, you shouldn't drive that way. When he was just doing his thing, I think he was it was, you know, people were doing the whole, oh, he's becoming, you know, the meme about him becoming Dale Earnhardt, you know, uh, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't think I think Ross is uh, he's got some thick skin. I think he can, he knows how to. I mean, at least he did before you know he got chewed out by GM and everything. I think he's starting to come back from that a little bit though, and I think we saw that at Phoenix. Dom, uh, one more point on this I'll bring up here: uh, the guy that just won the championship, Ryan Blaney, comes from a great racing family. His dad is loved. Um, champion now he's got like an you know an old school personality uh himself i think you're about to see ryan blaney's popularity really skyrocket here i mean and 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 he's embraced uh you know being kind of new age in a sense too of you know he's active on social media he's got his podcast he's been doing for a long time i mean ryan blaney i i think we could see a big jump in in his popularity here too Certainly. And maybe what I'm about to say might come out kind of as a joke or not taking this serious, but I think there might be some truth to this. Tyler, you're definitely going to remember this from 12 years ago when Dave Blaney was racing with Tommy Baldwin Racing and coming close to the Daytona 500 and, and, and having those great races at Super Speedways and at Richmond Raceway. He finished, I, I think, on a couple of occasions, top 10. And that was very important because their sponsor at the time was Golden Corral. And Golden Corral had the top 10 kids eat free on the rear bumper. And there was a theory I saw floating around on social media that made me kind of give a second guess. You know what? People like Dave Blaney and race fans, race fans with families love Dave Blaney because they got to have their kids eat for free years ago. And those kids <laughs> fast forward to adulthood are now in their 20s, early 20s, mid 20s. And they've been following Blaney and, and Ryan Blaney's rise. And, and they remember the dad and they remember getting to eat for free at like Golden Corrals across the country. So there could be something with that. I don't know, maybe there's a connection. Maybe I'm making a stretch here, but I did see that theory and I thought that was pretty fascinating. That can't hurt. I can't remember the last time I had a Golden Corral, but who knows? <laughs> you might be on to something. The, 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 that rabbit hole, you lost me there, but uh, nonetheless. <laughs> I applaud the effort. Uh, our <laughs> final segment before we go, it's our uh, Ask David segment. We ask you some questions to both David and our guests each and every week. Uh, Facebook.com slash Star Podcast, Twitter at Star Podcast, and by email, davidstarpodcast at gmail.com. Got some questions in the inbox uh, this week. And uh, our first one, this comes from Thomas, and uh, it's for Adam. We'll uh, have Adam chime in here on this one. Uh, Thomas wants to know, Adam, uh, what's it like covering the fighting scene with all these social media influence type fighters like the Paul brothers right now? Well, that's a great question. It's it's fun in certain ways, but it also raises questions in other ways. Okay, LeBron, you know, you wouldn't just like – you wouldn't – if, if um, a social media influencer wanted to go play basketball – one-on-one or even five-on-five against another social media. Drive a race car. Right. You wouldn't necessarily watch that over LeBron James playing in the NBA because you could watch LeBron James playing the NBA, and that's such a high level. So the fact that this is happening in boxing raises questions about what has happened with professional boxing 
where there's not enough talent to sustain, you know, interest where you have to now do this. So at the same time, you know, when you look at Jake Paul, he's pretty much become a professional boxer. So he's not just a YouTuber anymore. Um, and even his brother, Logan, they're both very much legit athletes doing very legitimate things. You know, for example, WWE is a fake sport, but you have to be an athlete to be one of the wrestlers involved. They're doing some very legitimate athletic things, even though it's a predetermined thing, et cetera. Right. So the Paul brothers are, are legitimate athletes. Um, and, and Jake Paul's a legitimate boxer at this point, even though he's not anywhere near the best in the world, he's kind of somewhat a professional technically he is technically speaking he is a professional at this point but it, it definitely raises questions about there's not a deep talent pool in boxing to keep people interested in just kind of the high level professional fights it has caused some of the professional boxers to make big fights happen because they realize they're missing out on big money as the paul brothers made big you know money and, and others so it's a very interesting trend yeah, I remember uh, just a couple weeks ago, like the Zone had a big time fight that was a co-main event with uh, with Jake Paul. I'm like, man, that's that's how far we've come. David, uh, I I'm curious, did you ever get into boxing? Uh, were, were you much a boxing fan over the years, David? Man, when I was younger, I, you know, I boxed and uh, and I boxed to train. You know, that was one of my, you know, I used to just spar as as just weekly. Uh, just because it was a great cardio workout, man. And, uh, and, uh, but man, I, I love the sport of, of fighting, uh, you know, just because of the characters in it and, and their athletic, you know, how athletic, how, what athletes they are. And, uh, you know, it's amazing that a human being can take such a beating and keep and just keep charging. You know what I mean? I've always been intrigued by it. Uh, but my, my fighting days and, and my workout sparring days, man, was a great workout. I still spar a little bit, not as much as I used to, but man, it's a great workout. It is a great workout. And, uh, and, uh, man, I, I love, I love, I, I love the, the fighting sports, you know, just because you, you just, you know, just the, the athleticism of these humans that, get the hell beat out of them and 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 it's like man it doesn't phase them you know what i mean and and just to you know to see what the body can in, uh, endure and how strong they are and, and it's just it's amazing man it's um, you know i love the i love the industry so so dominic hear me out on this the next the zone pay-per-view david Starr versus jake paul who says no <laughs> that would be a great find david As you all know if you're a diehard david Hart star fan you know he's doing 500 push-ups a day bare minimum for training so you know he's in already good shape just just throwing that out there uh, oh, very very good uh adam uh next question in our inbox and uh this one uh, comes in from Bill. Bill wants to know, Adam, what's the craziest story you've ever broke? <laughs> oh, man. Um, I mean, I guess it depends on definition of crazy. Uh, man, that's a really good question. Off the top of my head, it's tough to say because I don't really try and keep in mind some of the zany ones. I mean, you know, th there's been some very fun ones. I mean, I was Thinking back to William Byron, you know, almost winning the championship and and uh, somehow having first reported all those years back that he was uh, for you know moving to Hendricks. So 
I've been involved with some fun stories like that. I mean, obviously, there's been some very unique sponsor stories. I mean, like, one off the top of my head, I don't know if it's, it's the craziest ever, but um, when um, I think it was Subway blamed uh, Daniel Suarez eating Dunkin' Donuts in the New Hampshire Motor Speedway campgrounds as grounds to terminate their contract, that, that was pretty much up there. That was a pretty bizarre one to, you know, be reporting on something like that. I'm like, what am I reporting on here? But it was it was real life. So you right, know, there right. are some wow. I'll oh, tell you, I mean oh. there are there's I mean I'll you know I'll probably hang up after this call and remember some other really ones. I mean there are some very <laughs> unique sponsor. You guys know this. I mean some of the sponsor stories that pop up in this sport are quite funny at times. So uh you know, so in case and, people and don't remember easy. that story in case people don't remember that story, Adam, t- take us back like the what happened with with Suarez there? He was literally was just eating Dunkin'. Yeah, Dunkin'. I think he was with Rutledge Wood on an NBC Sports, uh, you know, segment, and they were going around giving out donuts in the uh, campground, and they were Dunkin' Donuts branded. And you know, it turned out that uh, as Subway got out of their deal with JGR, it was attributed in part, at minimum, to the fact that they felt that that was a violation of the deal. Because Suarez was promoting another brand and, and indeed a brand that sells donuts while they were trying to promote maybe a healthier image as, as Subway. Yeah. I've forgotten all about that. Did, did you remember that at all, Dominic? I do. Yeah, yeah, Adam's right. It was like a pre-race segment. And it was like, a, hey, we're surprising the fans with some, some Dunkin' Donuts. And it was like one of those feel-good feature kind of pieces. And then I want to say it was like a week later, two weeks later, Subway had announced they were out with Daniel Suarez. And, and on the surface, I don't know all the details on it, but to me it was one of those things, Tyler, that maybe they weren't happy that Carl Rose was no longer in the car and they were looking for any excuse out, and that was maybe a way to amplify it or speed it up. That's crazy. Uh, <laughs> David, have you heard anything like that before? No, man, you know, I, I you know, I, I'm just – it's inter- interesting to hear y'all speak about it. I, I'm – I don't remember it, you know. I don't know why I would, but uh, you know what I mean. But uh, but it's crazy. <laughs> it's a crazy story. Yeah. Uh, we are just about out of time, uh, Adam. Uh, before we wrap this thing up, uh, tell people what uh, what you got going on, where people can follow you uh, for uh, not just your uh, NASCAR content, but uh, you're certainly busy right now covering the uh, the fighting scene as well. Where could people follow you and see all that stuff, man? Yeah, thank you so much. Really appreciate you having me on. And, uh, yeah, sportsbusinessjournal.com. Uh, check us out. We definitely, uh, you know, try and, and do a great job covering everything on with, with everything, all the different sports, all different verticals. And uh, yeah, you can follow me on X as well, uh, A underscore S12. Awesome stuff. Adam, awesome. Uh, what's going on with you in the next couple of days, man? Oh, um, you know, just taking it easy before going to uh, Las Vegas in about a week for uh, the F1 race. So, that's going to be quite quite unique to man. see how that goes. So uh, it's going to be fun, man. Adam, I'm excited about that, man. I, it's uh, that's going to be kind of interesting. There's a lots of lots of uh, lots a lot of excitement around the world about that race, and it's definitely America about the, the big F1 race at Las Vegas. You know? Oh yeah, it's it's a lot of excitement, a lot of consternation. I heard maybe even some NASCAR drivers are going. So uh, stay tuned. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So we call teasing the biz. Uh, Dominic, <laughs> Dominic uh, you just got back from Phoenix. Had a good time out there. What's going on with you the next few days? 
Yeah, it was a great time this week. My son turns one years old, so our one year old, our one year old turns one years old. However you want to say it, <laughs> right? The English isn't matching up right now, but our son turns one this week. Really excited to celebrate him and, and his birthday. Can't believe our little dude's been here a year already. So November the twelfth. Yeah, you know, something like that. Yes, yeah. <laughs> now we're we're really happy. We'll be celebrating it this weekend, and yeah, time really does fly. I get it when people say, "Yeah, your your kids grow up quick," and one year doesn't sound right. Yeah, David, uh, you got some schools uh, still coming up. People got time to still uh, get involved before the end of the year, right? Man, just uh, looking forward. We've been extremely busy at the Team Texas High Performance Driving School at Texas Motor Speedway. Got a big corporate event tomorrow with Peterbilt. Got about 250 people coming. And uh, it's just, uh, you know, looking forward to the weekend where we can kind of have a little bit, slow down a little bit and do a little yard work or a little bit more time with the family, you know what I mean? There's no NASCAR racing on television. Uh, so uh, just maybe do a little R&R this weekend, you know? I like it. I like it. That sounds good. What about yourself, Tyler? What are you up to, man? I'm uh, I'm off to Kansas City this weekend. Uh, going back to my old stomping grounds, University of Kansas. Go watch some uh, college basketball and college football this weekend. So, that's what I'll be up to, uh, flying out there Thursday morning and then come back to town uh, Sunday morning. So awesome. it's going to be nice, a little getaway for a few days. But nonetheless, uh, guys, a lot of fun with Adam Stern. What a guy. Uh, what a great guy. Story and so many good stuff to tell. We'll have to have him back on in the future. Uh, big thanks to all our listeners for joining us. Subscribe to the show. New episodes out each and every week. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, and YouTube. Leave us a five-star review or leave us one at all. Hit the like button. We certainly would appreciate it. Also, follow us on social media, facebook.com slash starpodcast, x at starpodcast, and by email. You can email us, davidstarpodcast at gmail.com. We'll put the checkered flag out on this edition of Let's Go Racing. For David Starr, Dominic Conagon, and Adam Stern. I'm glad we're joining us. Thanks so long. It's been another edition of Let's Go Racing. We'll see you next week.